didn't love my brother Peter Simons. He's uh, gosh, we've been together. He'll be on staff December. It'll be 25 years. We hired him when he was six. We could see the talent there already, so we went ahead and got him when he was young. You're welcome. But he is a, a dear partner and, and brother. I love him deeply, and we're, we're blessed to have him and our whole staff. We've got uh, we got good people. We got good people sitting in these seats, and I appreciate your love and your prayers for your leaders. So. Having said all that, let's get into God's word. Turn to Psalm 119. Famous for what? Anybody know? Longest what? Longest chapter in the Bible. We're going to cover the entire chapter. (laughs) Wayne said, no, we're not. (laughs) I know we ran it. We ain't doing that. We're going to cover a section of it. Looking at a particular quote from Jesus Christ, and you'll notice it at the top of your uh, handout, what we're going to look at is what what does it mean as a believer, assuming that we're Christians, assuming that you are, as you hear God's word, what does it mean to be free? Great. To be free, we're going to talk a lot about that, but particularly in our lives as believers, Because this is, we have one mandate on us corporately and individually as those who are Christians. It means a little Christ. The mandate on our lives and the call on our lives and the mission of our lives individually and corporately is to go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, none of us are going to go all over the world doing that. But we're part of it through what? Ron Siegfried, for example, does in India. We're part of that, one of ours. Uh, Gary Whitmore, we'll be in town in a few weeks and with the love on him and, and Winnie. And we're trans, trans World Radio and, and Ron and Gary have been with us since the very beginning of this church. Every time you give, you are supporting what they do, not just them. Throughout the world, there are people, uh, Matt and Star Arnold, down in Baboragami, Mexico, which none of us could find if we had to. But they're down there, and they're in Roach, Missouri, and they're also in Baboragami down in Mexico, and just we're part of that. And that's a great, not just a feeling, but to understand that's the Great Commission. So what about us beyond our giving and our praying? And, and do not ever... Take light in the fact that you're praying for someone. It, as I've said many times, it's the most important thing you can do as a Christian is pray for each other. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those that we support that you may not ever meet. But what you do in your prayer life is significant for them. I know Life Choices is one of our missionaries. They've just been rejoicing all week, as we all have, as the Supreme Court overturns that nasty decision, Roe v. Wade. Now, is it going to cause political turmoil in our nation? Yeah, but what doesn't? And it's only, you know, it's there. And, but at least it makes a statement. And we've been spitting in the face of God, and it's a blight on this country. But you know what? God didn't stop being God. 
And the call on our lives did not stop being the call on our lives, which is what? Go into all the world, make disciples of Jesus Christ. So again, you're not going into Guam and all over the world where Trans World Radio is. You're not going to India. You're not go, going down to Baborigami, Mexico. You're not going all the places that we support. So here's where you are going. Raleigh, Bartlett, and Arlington, and Lakeland, and Memphis, and all the places in between. You're going somewhere today, tomorrow. We got people leaving today, right? Leaving today and going over that God-forsaken country in Arkansas. Now, I love Arkansas. Uh, used to have relatives there, but uh, they couldn't find their teeth, so we had to get rid of them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I need to shut up before I get back into God's word. Okay. Wherever you're going, what's the call on your life? Going to all the world and, all right, let me check. Hang on just a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bartlett, Lakeland, Collierville, Germantown, Memphis, Arlington, Raleigh. Frazier, guess what? They're part of the world. Cordova. Cordova, praise God. <laughs> I got family living in Cordova too. And uh, God is God. I love to study the nature of God and the attributes of God. One of my favorite is that he's omniscient, even though sometimes I don't really like that on a personal level, that he knows everything. And he even knows it before I do it, before I think it. You know, he's sitting up there in heaven going, oh, Randy, not again. How many times am I going to have to whip you? Boy, God probably sounds like Foghorn Leghorn. If you don't know who Foghorn Leghorn are, probably I'll look that up. But I know God's up there going, boy, listen to me, boy. Read my word. I gave it to you. You know, we all want God to show up in our room, right? We talked about this before. We want God to show up in the corner of our room and go, yo, 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 yo. Probably talks like from Philadelphia. Yo. <laughs> Don't do that, Randy, and do this. Okay, I got it. Most of the time, it's laid out for you right there in the Bible. We're free to choose. That's what we're going to talk about today. That as believers, understanding the great call on our lives to go into all the world, which includes where you're going to be today, tomorrow, the next day. Until Jesus comes back, until the Lord takes you home, wherever you are, unless you're moving to another planet, it's part of the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. So look at the top of your handout, John 8, 36, the words of Jesus Christ. You know why this is important? Because Jesus Christ said it. Everything he says should be of the greatest import in your life. Look at John 8, 36, top of your handout. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, we all know the verse, you shall be what? If you read the context of that passage, he also talks about truth. Because the truth, truth will what? Set you free. So the context of the passage is, what's freedom? I'm freedom, Jesus said. I am the way, later on, the truth, the life. You're not going to go to the Father unless you come through me. I am truth. So if you want to know truth, you go to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you, there are other areas of, of our intellect and knowledge that contain elements of truth. But he is the truth. Greek definite article. He's the only one 
that can set you free. What does that mean? That's what we're going to talk about today. What did Jesus mean by these three words? I'm going to give you a little simple. This is a great sermon. You can write it down next time you're at a, an event and you want to impress your friends. You, pull, you whip this sermon out of your Bible. You ready? This one's free. It didn't cost you a thing. What did Jesus mean by the words, you shall be free indeed? Number one, I know you're all writing. If you don't have a pen, write on the person next to you. Borrow their pen or whatever you want. Number one, you're free from the penalty of sin. Number two, if you don't get this, uh, and you're really interested, which you're probably not, but if you are, I'll give it to you later. All right, you're, number one, you're free from the penalty of sin. Number two, free from the power of sin. And number three, you're free from the very presence of sin. And for those of you that haven't really studied the book of Romans, that's basically the summation of the book of Romans. You're free from the penalty of sin. It's called justification. You're born again. Who took your penalty? Jesus did at the cross. He took your penalty, your debt that you owed, he paid it. It is finished. That's what he said. It's finished. Debt paid in full. He took your penalty. He took the wrath of God being poured out on your sin, was poured, instead was poured out on the back of Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross. He took my wrath. He paid my penalty. And when I was born again, I was set free. Kind of like having a bill you can't pay. You ever had a bill you couldn't pay? My kids do, they just call me. And I'll say, I can't pay it either. You have a debt you can't pay. Your sin debt. You'll never be able to pay it. No matter how wealthy you are, powerful you are, good looking you are. I got good on one of those. Doesn't matter what you have, who you are, who you know. You cannot pay for your sin. I read a great book not long ago called how, how Good is Good Enough. You know what God's answer to that is? You can't be good enough. Therefore, I'll do it for you. That's the message of the gospel. Genesis 3, God said that very thing to Adam and Eve, that this, uh, the seed is going to come and will crush Satan's head. And you can be set free. The atonement, the covering he provided. The Garden of Eden's picture of that. All right, back to this. So, free from the penalty of sin. Jesus paid for it. You're born again. You're justified. Romans, justification. Secondly, free from the power of sin. That's called sanctification. That's living your life as a believer from the moment you're born again until you die or Jesus comes back. I was saved on April 19, 1970, 52 years ago. God blessed me. I met my wife the same month, and God, uh, God took care of that. He was good to me. April 19, 1970, I hope that was about Mary. And, uh, April 19, 1970. I was born again. So for 52 years, I've been a Christian. I've always, has my dad always been pleased with me? We talk on Lego and we talk about him a moment ago. Trust me, he's not. I've always been, but I'm still justified. I'm still free from the penalty because Jesus paid the price, his blood. Peter said, you were redeemed, not for corruptible things like silver and gold. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. That has no value. You can't put a price on it. He paid it. So, penalty, second, power. I don't have, here's the free to choose part. As a Christian, I'm free to choose daily. Am I going to live as one who's free? Or am I going to put myself back under the bondage of sin like the children of Israel wanted to do and go back to Egypt? I'm free to choose to listen to the Holy Spirit 
obey the Holy Spirit or not. God will not force me to obey him. But because I love him, I choose, hopefully, not all the time, but hopefully, that's who I am. I choose to obey. Power. I don't have to, I have a new master, it's Jesus Christ. Prior to my salvation, sin was my master. Now Jesus Christ is my master. Sin's still around. Sin, sin still wants to rule me. I got to make choices daily, hourly, sometimes minute by minute. Am I going to obey? I can be free from the power of sin, sanctification. And finally, free from the very presence of sin. When the Lord takes me home, we've talked about this many times. When the Lord takes me home, takes you home, when Jesus comes back or I pass away, and I go into the presence of God as one of his children because I've been justified, I will never have to be in the presence of sin again. Revelation describes it this way. You go into a place where there is no more curse. No sin. How many of us would like to be someplace where there's no sin? I would. Just a place where, where people treat people the way they ought to be treated. Hmm, that's a good idea. I think Jesus might have taught that. So you're free from the power, you're free from the penalty, and you're free from the presence. Now look on your handout. What does it mean to be free? Look there at Romans 6. On your handout. Having been set free from sin, justified, having been born again, you became slaves of righteousness. That sounds like an oxymoron to me. I was a slave of unrighteousness, and then I was born again. I became a slave of righteousness, which is a good thing. Being a slave to unrighteousness creates all kinds of trouble in your life, and you're separated from God. You're not his. But when you're born again, having been set free from sin, the penalty of it, you're now a slave of righteousness. For when you were slaves of sin prior to your conversion, you were free in regard to righteousness. You could not be good enough to pay that debt. But now having been set free from sin, born again, having become slaves of God, that's who you are right now, sanctification, justification, sanctification, ultimately glorification. You, you have your fruit to holiness. There it is. And the end, everlasting life. There's all three right there. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Your final end, ultimately everlasting life, glorification. But now... What we're going to really focus on today is this idea of fruit to holiness. Fruit to holiness. I have the capacity, the privilege, and the opportunity every day as one who's been set free from the penalty of sin, as a child of God, as a Christian. I have that opportunity every day to bear fruit of holiness. Or what is holiness? Being set apart unto God. I could choose to live selfishly, I could choose to let sin rule me, or I could say I choose to follow God, that fruit of holiness. I choose to be a slave. That's why you see in all the epistles, how does Paul refer to himself? I'm a bondservant. Go back to Numbers, you know what a bondservant is? It's a servant who was set free by the master, but then chose to remain with the master because he liked it there. I'm set free, I'm free, but I want to stay with the master because I really like my master. He's good to me. Jesus loves me. We got a little four-month-old granddaughter and been, she spent all day with us yesterday. And 
discovering four months old can be a challenge. One of the things I love the most is that she's got, Mary and I were talking about it yesterday, she just kind of owns our hearts now. And Mary lays her down on the bed. It's one of those times when a four-month-old, they're fed, their diaper's been changed, they don't want to go to sleep. What's the only other option? Cry. Just cry. So Mary, <laughs> Mary lays her on the bed and starts singing to her. I tried that, and she screamed even louder. <laughs> Mary lays her on the bed, gets right in her face, and starts singing Jesus Loves You or something else. We, we started out with on the sunny side of the street, and that didn't work. <laughs> Jesus Loves You. Just sing that. The Bible tells me so. And you can see her looking in her Grammy's face, and, and she eventually quiets down. I said, well, what did you do? Now, did that last very long? No, but it worked for a while. So then I started telling her stories, you know. Let me tell you about it. That didn't work. What she wanted was for her Grammy to pick her up and carry her around. And then sit down with her and kind of rock her. And she she doesn't like pacifiers. She'd go to sleep. Jesus loves me. And even though I cry and cry and moan and complain, you know what he sings to me? I love you, Randy. I love you, Randy. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I love you. And I need to say, okay, time for me to shut up and do what he wants me to do because that's better. Matter of fact, it's best. Fruit unto holiness. Look there on your handout, 2 Corinthians. Now the Lord is the Spirit. See the Trinity working. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Who has the Spirit of the Lord? Those who have been set free from the penalty of sin. Believers, we have the indwelling presence of God himself, God the third person, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, indwells us, and we've been set free so that we can bear fruit to holiness. We can be spiritual instead of fleshly. Again, the whole book of Romans. I could choose to be fleshly, or I could surrender to the Holy Spirit who indwells me and bear fruit unto holiness. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I want you to abide in me so you can bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, so you can be what I saved you to be. Abide, live in me. Bear fruit unto holiness. Last one there on your handout, Galatians 5. Stand fast or live right now. Secure, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. There it is. You're set free. And do not be entangled again. Don't go back with a yoke of bondage. Don't go back and say yes to sin. You don't have to. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. You've been set free. Called by God. Only do not use liberty. This is a very important principle. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You've been set free to serve. Or, is that oxymoron again, I'm set free to be Wayne's slave. He's my brother in Christ. I'm set free to be Lynn's slave. She's my sister in Christ. Spiritual gifts are never about me. That's why you have to, there's a lot of false teaching out there. Because if you folk, they're focused on themselves, not on others, that's not of God. Amen. Spiritual gifts are all about others. 
They're called ministry gifts or serving gifts. Some are speaking gifts. Some are just hands-on gifts. But whatever your gift is, God gave it to you with that Holy Spirit as a grace gift on behalf of other Christians. And talent's the same thing. Peter, for example, is very talented. Randy Ames. But I've got spiritual gifts. What should I do? Use them on behalf of other people. The body of Christ specifically. So you've been set free. Free to what? This is where so many people, especially in the evangelical church, we've done a, a terrible job with this. So many people in the evangelical church think, man, I asked Jesus into my heart when I was seven years old, and I'm going to do what I want to do until I die. You better be careful with that. Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Obey me. Because you want to, not because there's some legalistic rules, set of rules. There's somewhere in this building, kind of like there's somewhere in our marquee out there. It doesn't say it, but somewhere in our marquee, there's a flashing neon sign that says, if you're squirrely, this is the place for you. You can't see it, but it's there. Somewhere in our mind, we got, there, there's a list of, okay, you can do this, you can do this, you got to look like this, you got to look like this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. If you fit in, you're welcome. Mm -mm. That's legalism. Let the Bible say what it says and don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Whether it's religion, it's tradition, peer pressure, just think back. So much Peter being here 25 years. Let's, let's harken back 25 years. How did we all dress and look 25 years ago? I remember I used to you know, wear a tie every Sunday to church. If you want to wear a tie, you ought to wear a tie. We started Arlington 17 years ago, and I wore, didn't wear a coat back then, but I wore a tie every Sunday the first year. And then I looked around at the end of the year. You know how many people in the building had a tie on? One. Who was the stupid one that had the tie on? Uh, that was me. Now, do I sometimes wear a tie? Yeah, I wear them funerals and weddings. That's it. Is there anything wrong with that? No. You, wanna, you want people to feel relaxed and at ease, comfortable. 25 years ago, how many of us had a tattoo? Most of us did not. Now, in this group, most of us probably still don't. But you know what? A lot of people do. Generationally, a lot of people got them. 25 years ago, you had a tattoo, most churches would say to you, we're going to stay away from you. You ain't welcome. No. It's not important. You're free. You're set free. You're set free. We serve God because we want to. Serve God because we want to. Years ago, there was a Puritan wrote these words. He prayed them. He said, grant me never to lose sight of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the exceeding righteousness of salvation, the exceeding glory of Christ, the exceeding beauty of holiness, and the exceeding wonder of grace. I am guilty but pardoned. I am lost but saved. I am wandering but found. I am sinning but cleansed. Give me perpetual brokenheartedness. Keep me always clinging to your cross. End quote. I need to wake up every day and revel in the fact Jesus saved me. 
That's why you didn't deserve it. Didn't earn it. Didn't deserve it. That's called grace. I, want, I need to revel in that. I need to wake up in that. I need to pray that. When I wake up in the middle of the night and struggle sometimes, it's been really bad in the last couple of years with breathing and other things because of my heart. You know what I end, end up doing? I walk around and I just, I just pray a lot. I pray a lot of individuals, a lot of different things. It's cool to be able to do that. The Bible says pray without ceasing. When I cut the grass, you know what I do for an hour and a half? Nonstop walking and praying. It's good for me. Prayer is not me impressing God. Prayer is me changing my heart, putting it in line with the will of God, and praying that for others. Like if I'm going to pray for Wayne, for example, Wayne and I have known each other a long time. I've been here 38 years, and I've known Wayne over 40. So if I'm going to pray for Wayne, which I do, the number one thing I'm going to pray for Wayne, besides the fact that I want him to feel good, but even above that, the number one thing I'm going to pray for Wayne is I want him right in the center of the will of God. I don't know what all the will of God is for Wayne. But what I do know is that being in the will of God is always good. So whether it's Wayne, whether it's me, whether it's Jerry, whoever it is, as my brother in Christ, I want them to be in the center of God's will. They might not even like where the center of God's will is in, in the moment. But that's my prayer. All right. Now we get to Psalm 119. We're going to run through this quickly, I promise. All right. Look at verse 30. This idea of freedom. On a daily basis, living out that you're free from the power of sin dominating you. That's what we're going to look at in Psalm 119, starting in verse 30. Number one, in your handout, free to choose the way of truth. Verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. That's where I got that from. I didn't make that up. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. Oh, Lord, don't put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. I have chosen. In Hebrew, here's exactly what the psalmist is saying here. I've examined all the options. This is really important, particularly as you're sharing your faith. I've examined the options. I've counted the cost, and I've opted for the way because it's the truth. Particularly in the culture that we live in now. When you want to share your faith with someone, you need to be able to challenge them and say to them, check it out. Check out the claims of Jesus Christ. Check out what the Bible says. Don't say just believe the Bible. You need to challenge them and then listen to what they say, how they respond. I was thinking yesterday about you, and there was somebody that I wanted to talk to about the Lord, and, and uh, they're not a believer, and they're not in church. I don't know if they've ever been in church. If I say to them, you need to ask Jesus into your heart, you think you have any idea what I'm talking about? No. And what you need to explain is what does that mean? Who is Jesus? What did he do for you? When you say Jesus, like all these kids that are going to be in this week, when we say to them, Jesus loves you. That's something that they can grip. Somebody loves me. But then they begin to understand, what does it mean that he loved me? And then take it to the next step. He not only loved me, he died in my place. I mean, that's the ultimate sacrifice. What does that mean? Because he can give you something 
nobody else can give you. Your parents love you. Your grandparents love you. People, your family loves you. But Jesus can give you hope. He can give you eternal life. He can give you peace, joy right now and for the rest of your life. So what's saying here in Hebrews, I have chosen. I examined all the options and this is what I have chosen. It literally means it's an intelligent choice. Why is this important? We'll spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's important to say. The ultimate apologetic or defense of the faith of Christianity is this. You're sharing your faith with someone and they say, well, I don't believe in the Bible. Okay. I don't believe Jesus is the only way a man can know God if there is a God. Okay. The ultimate apologetic then is you look at them and say, I know you don't believe the Bible. I know you don't believe in God. I know you don't believe in Jesus. I know you don't believe that it may be even that there's a heaven or an afterlife. You don't believe the things the Bible teaches. Okay, look me in the eye and tell me where did you come from? Where did you come from? And when they tell you they believe in evolution, you need to say, oh boy, that's good. Let's talk about it. Because it's not an intelligent choice. Just not. Even if you don't believe the Bible, and there are a lot of people that are this way. It's called the intelligent design movement. They don't believe the Bible. They're not Christians, but they, here's what they believe. Somebody made the universe. It's too complicated, too, too precise to just be an accident. You think about, like, our, we were talking about our little four-month-old granddaughter laying there watching her in four months, how much she has changed to where she can, yesterday, trying to crawl. She says, Grandy. Nobody knows that but me, but talk about it. Looking at her. Seeing how much she's changed in four months. I got pictures of her on my phone when she was in her mother's womb. And seeing God do what he's doing. And then in four months, just like now, Mary will be holding her and I'll walk through the room. And because I'm her favorite person, I'll walk through the room. She'll see me and I'll say, it's Granny's girl. She'll big smile on her face. And as I'm leaving the room, She's laying here, or sitting with Mary. As I'm leaving the room, her little head follows me all the way. Because she can now do that. Yesterday, she was trying to get up on her little knees and crawl. She wasn't doing that a month ago. It's sophisticated. It's complicated. Something as sophisticated as you is an accident. Total accident. Nah, it doesn't make sense. That's the point here. Examine the options. Examine what the Bible says. Examine what Jesus claimed. And the intelligent choice is to say, he is God. He is exactly who he said he was. I have chosen. Notice what he's chosen, verse 30, the way of truth. I examined all the options. And then I realized, <coughs> Lord, your way is truth. And I surrendered to that. Joshua said, choose for yourself. You all know the verse. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we, we're going to serve the Lord. Why? Because it's the smart thing to do. It's the freeing thing to do. It's the thing that will set you free. I'm free in Christ to choose. I've chosen. I've chosen. How many of you have ever had a ham and eggs for breakfast? You ever had that? 
Think about ham and eggs for breakfast. I love delicious. You got ham and eggs for, or bacon and eggs for breakfast. The chicken makes a donation. What's the pig make? A commitment. The pig makes a commitment, and the chicken just donates. What God wants is a commitment. He wants your life, which the pig, by the way, had to give. He wants your life. And you'll enjoy life exponentially better than you do now if you give it to him. Why? Because he'll set you free. Free indeed. To understand what life's all about, what it really means, he'll set you free. Not just a donation. Anybody can write a check, give cash, go online and give. You used to be able to say that. Now you can go online and do it all. What God wants is you. You know why he wants it? Because if he gets you, he's going to get your money too. Because he owns it. It's all his. He owns it and he owns you. Wants a commitment. Secondly, verse 33. How do you do that? You choose the way of God's statutes or his word. Verse 33. Teach me. I love this way it's written. The poetry of it in Hebrew. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Beg God to teach you. I'll keep it to the end. Give me understanding and I'll keep your law. I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who's devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Here's what you're seeing pictured here. Here's three D's for you again. You had the three P's earlier. Here's three D's for you. Another sermon. Number one, teach me the way and I'm going to keep it to the end. You got a direction. You got a direction. That if you're a child of God, you've been set free. The direction of your life is, as Paul said in Philippians, one thing I do. I press on for the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's on a daily basis. i got a direction that I'm going. Jesus said there are two ways you can go down. You can go down the broad way. Where will it lead you? To destruction. Or you can go the narrow way. Where does it lead? Life. And, and then he said few are found on the narrow way. Why? Because as sinners, we'd rather live the broad way. That's, that's just fact. Even as believers, do we struggle with sin? I do. Sure. Because we're selfish. We're prideful. We're, we're self-absorbed. What the Lord wants is for us to get absorbed in him, and then we'll be absorbed in serving others. Saw that earlier. Choose. And so number one, you have a direction. And he says, my whole heart make me walk. Then you have discernment. I want understanding. Lord, I want wisdom. Talked about that last time. Wisdom. Lord, I want to see things the way you see them. Not the way I want them to be. And not what I want. But I want to see things the way you see them. 
and then respond the way you want me to respond, you got direction, you got discernment, so you have discipline. Make me walk. That literal Hebrew there is make me a bow that you can use in warfare. It's a beautiful picture. Here's what the psalmist is saying. Give me direction. Give me discernment. I'm going to discipline my life. I want to be a bow that you, God, can take and use in the spiritual battle that is life. I want to be a weapon that you can use, a tool through whom you can work. And then the last thing he says is incline my heart. The idea is, Lord, I want my heart to long for nothing but you. And that's a desire. I gave you four. Direction, discernment, discipline, and desire for you, God. Actually, I'll give you another one. Look down at verse 38. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Devoted. It's not about me. I love you, God. It's about you. Finally, number three there on your handout. You're free to choose the walk of freedom. Living every day as someone who's free. Verse 41. Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. Mercy, grace, two sides of the same coin. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me? I trust in your word. Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. I've hoped in your ordinances. I'll keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty. Why? For I see your precepts. Being in God's word. I can be set free. I can live at liberty because I'm set free. Choose. Free to choose. We'll share a true story with you, and then we're done. You think about this, and you think, well, I'm not important. If you're born again, you're a Christian, you've been justified, God says you're my child. And I saved you to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not just for people who stand behind podiums or lead worship or on staff of a church. It's for you at the grocery store. It's for you helping at your kid's school. It's for you at work. You may do something very small you have no idea you're doing that glorifies God. And somebody sees something in you that they're drawn to. And you get to share your faith with them. Some little thing that will make a huge difference and you don't even know you're doing it. It's just because that's who you are. It's a true story from World War II. I love World War II. I read about it all the time. Watch documentaries on it. The uh, only reason we still got cable is so I can watch the American Heroes channel. I love World War II. My dad fought in it and I just love to study it. Toward the end of World War II, 1945, the British nightly were bombing over Berlin. Every night, it's bombing Berlin. And then one of the fighter bombers in one of those nights got separated from the group. They also had a squadron of fighter jets that went with them, fighter planes that went with them to protect them from the German fighter coming at them. So the bombers would bomb and then go back to their bases. Well, they got separated from the group. They were alone. They were out there. And they see the German fighters coming at them. And the British fighters don't know where they are. They can't help them. 
and they assume this is it. Well, they're flying, trying to get away, and they hear thud, 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 thud. Five bullets plowed into the fuselage of their airplane, right where the fuel was. So they're all assuming what? This is it. They waited for the explosion that was inevitable from those five bullets. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. They landed their plane back at their base, but they're, you know, they're being back in, inside. And the mechanic brings them the five bullets that hit the fuselage. Gave it to them. And the captain of the plane started carefully taking them apart. And on the inside of all five, there was no powder. There was a little note. On all five bullets. In all five bullets. And here's what the note said. notes said. We're Polish POWs. And they make us, they force us to make these bullets. And when they're not looking, we don't put powder in them. We put paper. And none of them ever met any, each other, did they? And you never know what God's going to do. You just got to be real. Be who you're supposed to be because you're free. So choose that. Let's pray. Father, we, we are grateful that you set us free. We're grateful Jesus chose to die for us, to pay our debt, so we could be free. So we thank you for freedom, how special it is. I'm not free to do whatever I want to do that's sin. Otherwise, Paul addressed that even in Romans. God forbid, he said. I'm free to live righteously because I want to. Thank you for the Holy Spirit inside, dwelling inside of us to prompt us for the word of God to teach us. Drive us to the word, Lord. To learn it, to internalize it, and then live it in simple little ways. You just never know. We thank you, Father, for freedom in Jesus' name. Please stand if you would and worship team leads us this final song and if you'd like for me to pray with you I'll be down front. <clears throat> Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath